This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock, still our new time, and it's time for the Late Late Show with me, Toby Payne Cook, and my excellent friend. Here he is, Ed Finch, right on cue. Hello. It's music, people. It's music tonight. Um, yes, hello, yes. hello, hello, hello. How are you, Ed? Music's going to do its thing in a minute. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, good evening, everyone. You've tuned into Avalon Radio, the broadcasting live from the uh, as yet unsound checked pyramid stage. Um, uh, Richard Newbold, blimey, such a palaver trying to find the link to listen live. Good evening, Ed. How are you? I'm all right. I'm a bit sweaty. I don't know if you need to know that, but I thought I needed warm. to share it. It's been a warm day, and I spent a lot of it sitting in the sun getting burned. Yes, burned it, burned it. I'm, I, I had a, we have a Wednesday morning break time pastoral meeting. And then Did we're, you? so we have duty rotor. And I was right. on duty this morning, so I wasn't expecting to be on duty. Normally, if I'm on, on duty on a sunny day, I plaster on a layer of, of factor 30 onto my bald scalp. But I hadn't do that this morning. And I was outside in the sun. And then I've been outside this evening in the in the headmaster's garden drinking a little bit too much wine. And um, so I'm feeling a bit rosy. Yeah, not, not sweaty, but rosy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It's a glow. So, it's a healthy glow. It's a healthy glow. Devon's good. Devon weather good. Devon's weather. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got the school production tomorrow and Friday. Exciting. And uh, for the last few weeks, it's been glorious. The skies have been a clear blue. The children have been rehearsing in the amphitheatre, because my school has an amphitheatre, I've mentioned that. If you sit in the audience, you can watch the children performing with this beautiful view across the Teen Valley with a Castle Drogo on the hill far behind them. And tomorrow and Friday, when we're performing to the parents and carers, it's forecast to rain. Um, so it has been gorgeous in sunny Devon, but uh, I fear that... Uh, Doing an outdoor show has cursed it, as it always does. I know. Yeah, we've got Sports Day on Saturday, and um, forecasts not great, but it's getting better. Yeah, it was eighty. It was eighty percent chance of rain, and it is now um, down to fifty percent chance, I think. But I had an interesting, interesting bit of weather last week. Because we're not we're talking about festivals and music, but but I went to the Black Deer Festival, Tunbridge Wells, and Richard Newbold, who's listening. Um, good evening, Lucy, as well. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, listen backers, and all that sort of stuff. And went to the Black Deer Festival, which was just south of Tunbridge Wells, and um, lovely. Had a lovely day. Was there for about one o'clock until um, uh, whatever, and um, the plug was pulled at twenty past ten uh, yeah. because of thunder. And well, not thunder because of lightning. Lightning, very very and frightening, very very frightening. Lightning, frightening, and um, yeah. so yeah, I was in a tent. I was in a tent. I'd listened to about so I'd seen the key act that was Wilco that Rocky mm-hmm. Ross and I were there to see. Really, Wilco. That's who, are. I know that's who you wanted. So you didn't mind, did you? I've no, seen Wilco. And that's enough we, for me. We didn't realise until until the morning of of. That until we arrived on site, that Wilco were not headlining. Well, they were headlining. They had the longest set on the main stage, but they were playing yeah. from seven thirty till nine with the Water Boys playing from 
I think sort of 10 to 10 until 10 to 11, you know, just an hour set the water boys had, mm. but, but the last one. And, um, so I, I then rockin Ross decided to go and get a shuttle bus after we'll go back up to London. And I then, uh, went to watch a bit of Orange Goblin. So there's, there's this, this is an Americana festival. So a lot of, lot of country tinged music, country folky, bluesy, you know, Americana bands or English bands that sound American. And, um, and then, uh, but they did have a roadhouse tent, which was lots of Harley Davidsons outside it and American trucks and some bluesy bands and and some fairly metally bands playing there. And so I went to see Orange Goblin, who were this pretty, pretty proper metal band, um, been around for a long time. Charlie, who sometimes listens in, she, she said, yes, I love a bit of Orange Goblin on Twitter. And... Um, they were good. I watched a bit of them, but so 25 minutes was enough. And then I walked down to another little tent, which was the Great Americana Songbook, and I heard them play Helpless by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, mm-hmm. and The Weight by The Band. And then Ben Otwell, or ex of Gomez, um, came on to was playing, singing a song that I didn't recognise, um, but mm-hmm. it was a very nice song. And then suddenly the sound was put cut, and I was going to go and watch the last 20 minutes of The Water Boys to go and hear Fisherman's Blues. Um yeah, but I, I bet they finish without. Do they, oh, do they finish with Fishman? Do they finish with Hole of the Moon? Maybe. Uh, I reckon they finish with those two, but I don't know. Yeah. I, who knows? Oh, they're, they're, they will, we'll probably find out because they're playing at Glastonbury on the acoustic tent. So who knows? Ooh. But that probably won't be on the BBC coverage because they'll be covering acoustic. people that they're paid to cover, won't they? Yeah. Um, so that's you get a very skewed. We'll talk about that later on. But you get a very skewed version of Glastonbury on the BBC because, of course, it's all all um, record label. You know money paid for the coverage and you know so it's all the highly promoted stuff that's very current so all the more lovely lesser known bands to the modern era or older bands that are playing on smaller stages they, they don't get broadcast you don't tend to find those you get a sort of skewed version of it on the tv really um but anyway it was it was strange and then i went up to the car park and i, I did write about this on the twitter but probably not many people saw it and um it was carnage it was carnage it was pouring with rain by this point and uh, um, everyone was trying to get out of the car park the same sort of way by joining the main queue from wherever they parked in the car park. And I thought, you know what? If I just drive around the other edge of the field, I'll get up to the top of the hill. And I got out in about five minutes, whereas everyone else probably sitting there moaning and whinging and complaining there were no stewards in the car park for, for um, hours. So, um, But anyway, that was that. It was quite eventful. I've never been at a festival where the... Um, Music has stopped due to risk of death by lightning, oh, head striking. My, metal my very first festival experience was the Greenbelt Festival in 1986. And oh. I can tell you that that was the entire festival was pulled, I think, midway through the Saturday night, I think, because Hurricane Charlie was coming through. Yeah. I don't know if anybody anybody else out there remembers that. It was very, very rainy, very, very muddy. That's uh, stewards coming out, checking every tent, because like, tents were blowing down and people were still in them. So, you know, they were coming around. On my tent, I was with my friend Graham, and our tent was was inches deep in water, but mm. we didn't have anywhere else to go. So we were sort of huddled in it. And these uh, you know, volunteers were coming around saying, are you all right? You know, yeah. you need to be taken to an ambulance and things. Yeah, it was pretty serious. Getting the cars out in the morning was pretty funny. I can't remember yeah. what band I missed, though. I must have... Who did you... Hang on, 1986, did you say? Yeah. 1986, you were about 15. That's right, I was about 15, yeah. 
That's impressive. Go to a festival at 15 and camp. Well, not really. If you know the Greenbelt Festival, I don't, there'll be people listening, possibly, who do. I remember a, a thread on Twitter a couple of years ago when I sort of mentioned that I'd been to that festival. It's an interesting festival. It still happens, not in the same place. When I went, it was at Castle Ashby, just outside um, Northampton, I think, Castle Ashby. I believe oh. it happens at Cheltenham Racecourse now, as quite a few festivals do. And it's an interesting beast. It's the only, I think, existing uh, uh, sort of evangelical Christian music festival. Evangelical is oh. not the right word. Oh, no, there's quite a few of them. There's quite a few of them. Right? My, sis my sister, Lucy, you're trying to call in again. I don't believe you want to. Um, <laughs> I, no, she's a kid. Anyway, there are a lot of church youth groups there and a lot of earnest Christian rockers. And then quite a few bands that got booked to play it who didn't know what they were signing up for and then were slightly shell-shocked at the Q&A. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I used to go, a great laugh. I loved it. Happy days. Happy days. Well, I played my first gigs there, you know. I got myself there like a fringe Ed. stage happy. you could book slots on. Happy clappy like days. Accordion and things. Happy days. Happy days. Carry on. Happy days. Carry on. Carry on. So we're that's what we're talking about tonight. It's 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 very indulgent on my part. I think it's probably reasonably indulgent on your part. But because um, Glastonbury Festival is is the gates are open, the site is filling up. Um, the festival starts officially on Friday um, with the advertised acts, but there's lots of stuff going on there. And it was supposed to be fifty. Um, two years ago and then there's not been a Glastonbury since 2019 and so this is there and I kind of rather fond of Glastonbury and fond of music festivals and so thought it'd be nice to have a bit of a bit of a bit of a show talking about music and music festivals um we are teachers talking but we're not talking about teaching there we are well i mean um, everything because we are teachers come on yeah. because we're everything that we do comes back to the classroom in one way or another, doesn't it? And it will by the end of the show. We're going, to, we're going to think a little bit by the end of the show. We're going to think a bit about what it would be like to work at Pilton Primary School. Um, I know that Pilton Primary School, which is the village that, that um, neighbours Worthy Farm, where Glastonbury is hosted, and well, several other farms as well. It all engulfs the whole area. But Pilton is the village in Somerset that's nearest to. And um, I know I've seen online before, you know, how Pilton Primary School will do do stuff, you know, they'll make stuff for the festival and they'll go and maybe go and sing, you know, or, or something and do, you know, quite involved. And just thinking about how wonderful that would be. I mean, that would be a bit of a utopia for me to, you know, and you could, I think you could, obviously it won't happen in the modern mm -hmm. age. And, it, it, you know, you sort of could design a curriculum around the Glastonbury Festival, not 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 around this year's Glastonbury Festival, but the whole history the of. Certainly, a scheme of work. If you a were scheme in, of work. You get a scheme of work. If we were yes. to roll back the clock some six or seven years, no, not even that. Yeah. Some five right, years. A scheme of work. A, a, scheme, a scheme of work. You could do. Of, this is my primary classroom, and we're going to look at festivals, particularly yes. the Glastonbury Festival, for a term. And this is how I'm going to incorporate all my learning from across the curriculum. Yeah. And you could have an amazing time. And then the last day of term, you know, the children could put. On their own festival that their parents could come to, ah, oh, be great. Can't it do that now. That's don't. That, yeah. No, but you could. But you could. You could if you're really creative. Get a lot of maths in there. A lot of English, a lot of poetry. You'd have to pray the, the inspectors didn't come that term, wouldn't you? Well, well, I suppose you would in this day and age. Well, but well, um, but you we, know, we can dream. We can dream. We can dream. Okay. We'll build a school and make these things happen. So. We've we've got a lot to talk about in an hour. I've got a lot to talk about in an hour. Um, can two I go songs first? as well. 
because you've got two songs. Have you rehearsed both? Have you rehearsed both? Good. When I say you say rehearsed, that <laughs> you've got the chords. I've looked. I'm sitting in front of my PC and I found them on Ultimate Guitar. So I haven't played them, but I mean that's okay. that's more than I normally do, mate. <laughs> can we just can we just celebrate Ed at the moment? Everyone, anyone, everyone who's listening, um, you know, back and and our, our loyal people who are with us in this live studio um let's celebrate ed because he he is he's i think he's very understated we do love ed and i know uh, that's the only reason anyone listens is for ed in the ukulele no one listens for me um and i think he you know he just plays his tunes and he's bloody good he's got a lovely voice as well and so i know ed this is difficult because you're, you're you're an understated and very modest kind of guy but um but it's bloody brilliant, and 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 I think we don't probably do enough of it. So as it's a oh. music show, um, let's make sure we leave sort of you know a good full six minutes to do both those songs justice at the end. Yes, so, <laughs> justice. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll try, long. won't we? We'll one try. Quite long. Um. Anyway. Um. Right. Okay. So let's talk about. It. I'm going to talk about my why I love festivals, how I fell in love with music. And, and a lot of things and how Glastonbury really changed me. So I know that a few of you, not very many of you, but a few of you listening or listening back will know that I am currently writing um, my From Fertilisation to 50, a chapter for every sort of year of my life, a key memory. And um, I am actually writing, I haven't finished it. I wrote a tiny bit of it in the, in the writing room in the garden at Sissinghurst yesterday. So Sissinghurst Castle Garden, National Trust, has got a little sort of um, in the shape of the lunar module that, that the Apollo mission landed back on, on Earth in, um, built at the corner of, on the moat of the old moat at Sissinghurst Castle Garden by Harold Nicholson, husband of Vita Sackville West, Bloomsbury set, all that lot. Sittinghurst Castle Garden, etc. Um, anyway, I sat and wrote two, two, two paragraphs in that little little room yesterday on my day off, and it was just wonderful. Um, I had love a couple of conversations with passers-by um, who were also kind of writers and, and you know, fascinated by it. It was, it was just lovely. Anyway, um, but I'm writing this thing, and chapter episode 22 is, when I was nearly 22, is going to Glastonbury for the first time. It's called The Vale of Avalon. So... So just a little bit of context. I as um, was a kind of posh public schoolboy, boarding school, and through the late 80s and very early 90s, I spent most of my time listening to kind of fairly what I'd call retro rock. You know, a lot of Rolling Stones, a lot of Led Zeppelin, a lot of late 60s, early 70s, maybe some early Bowie, um the doors that kind of stuff and you know yes there was a little bit of the kind of rave culture kind of infused with me a little bit but not really much i i was i didn't really and then i went to university went to kingston poly and and i watched the bands that were there on saturday night some saw some good bands kingston poly actually radiohead played and their early early um pablo honey tour in 1993 and so i did see a few bands a few, few live bands but i wasn't really reading the nme or the melody maker i wasn't really very current in my in my music i wasn't an indie kid at that point i was just sort of moshing to nirvana and stuff on on friday nights and things and then but i was aware of glastonbury you know glastonbury has been going since since the early 70s it, to be honest there's a whole load of mythology with glastonbury that annoys the hell out of me so that michael levis ran the first festival in 1970 
He didn't make any money, he made a huge loss, and so he didn't want to ever do it again. Then Arabella Churchill, Winston Churchill's granddaughter, and someone called Andrew Kerr, who were a pair of hippies, set up the 1971 festival, and, and Michael Evis was just the landlord. And then and then there wasn't another festival until 1979. So although it is the 50th anniversary, there have been a lot of years there haven't been a Glastonbury. And then, and then Michael Evis being a, a kind of um, Methodist and, and a sort of Quakerish type kind of character, um, that he was very Methodist, often very liberal Democrat or liberal. Um, Michael Evis is kind of Labour, kind of left wing, was very anti-Maggie and so and and quite CND, but hippie-ish. And so then they sort of restarted the festival in 1979, um, having not, I don't think they ran festivals through the 70s, really. Um, and, and then it became through the 80s. Um, it was a very alternative thing. You know, it was very CND. The Smiths did play in 1984, um, which kind of made it a little bit more alternative culture, a little bit more enemy and, and kind of sort of this weird mix of crusties and hippies and anti-establishment and and it was all infused with the cnd movement and, and red wedge and all that sort of stuff billy bragg was big into it um and that sort of thing and then and then so i became aware of glastonbury for the first sort of time probably in the late 80s um or very very early 90s at school i was at boarding school in dorset and there were a few sort of hippie people who lived in that sort of area um and i think one of my friends at school went to went to the Glastonbury in 1990 and I was aware of it, but I was probably, I wasn't bothered by it. I wasn't interested in it at that point. And then my first year and the university, a friend went and came back and was virtually dead. You know, he's kind of comatose because he obviously got so off his head on whatever you get off your head on at Glastonbury um, when you're 19 or 20. And and I just was still a bit scared of it. And then people were going and friends were going and jumping the fence. And, you know, it was really easy to, to, you know, get through a hole in the fence back in the early 90s and the mid 90s and um but then when i got to 1994 i was earning a bit of money because i had a year out in industry i did my a year and i thought you know what i'm gonna go to glastonbury and i think this was probably catalyzed by blur who was very into blur at that time they just released park life album and they were playing and there were a couple of other bands who i really liked i had a weird passing obsession with the spin doctors i don't know why with hindsight but i did and galliano that's do you remember that acid jazz band galliano sort of funky dancey jazz and so that's what coaxed me there anyway and um and the levelers were playing, who I quite liked. But uh, and anyway, I went to so I first went to Glastonbury in 1994, and back then in 1994, it was becoming quite well known and becoming quite big. I think it was 85 quid for a ticket, something like that. And um, I was nearly 22, so I was nearly 22, so I was still a kid really, but I felt like an adult at that time, of course. Um, but looking back, I was a child, um, and. I was just blown away by it because there were no mobile phones. There's no been no TV coverage. And so it wasn't a secret. It was quite well known in, in, in sort of posh middle class alternative music fans, sort of pseudo hippies. But um, I went along and I'd never seen the photo of the site before. And just walked over the hill from the car parks and saw this thing. And, and being a farmer's son, a dairy farmer's son and a Devon boy, I've just always thought it's such a magical thing that what is this huge expanse of, of farming countryside, a dairy farm or collection of dairy farms now because it's expanded a lot. Um, 
becomes this city in the fields and it's just mind-blowing so but Glastonbury 1994 was really all about sitting around the campfire and talking shit really I didn't I didn't watch much music it was all about the camaraderie and the fun and in my case the relatively mild hedonism but in the case of some of the people I was camping with the quite extreme hedonism um and but I loved it I fell in love with the place and I just thought it was amazing and and I liked that it was an escape from everyday life I mean I wasn't I was I was working for a year I didn't have much to escape from but I think and then I went back again in 95 and I went to Phoenix Festival where I discovered Neil Young in 96 because it was a Glastonbury fallow year and then I went to Glastonbury in two muddy years 97 and 98 and then I went back in 99 then I met my now ex-wife and she was not into music at all so I didn't go again in 2000 but I did go back once in 2009 because Neil Young was headlining and Blur were headlining and Madness were playing and the specials were playing and Bon Iver were playing and it was a fantastic lineup for me in 2009 um, so I had a great time back there in 2009 but it was a very different festival by 2009 because they built the super fence by then to keep out all the fence jumpers and um, it, the edginess, the sort of slightly anti-establishment, the counterculture element that was still there in the mid-90s, still had quite a significant presence. That was very diluted. It was much cleaner. There was a lot more poseness to it. There was a lot more... Um, press column inches in in but not only the music press but in the mainstream um you know broadsheets and and you know even the daily mail write about glastonbury now don't they it just became this huge huge thing and there's still lots of wonder there and i know i know we've got endearingly wonderful indie snob richard newbold listening in and oh, it's glastonbury you don't have any good bands there and but you know there is wonder there are wonderful bands and there are treats in store but of course the the presentation of the BBC, you've got some huge acts, you've got to sustain the beast now, it's very, very big. Um, but for, I think Glastonbury changed my life, perhaps more than anything, you know, dad dying when I was 16 was a pretty big effect on my life. And that sort of defined quite a lot of who I am. But I think, you know, I finally rinsed out my sort of private school roots. I listened to people like Billy Bragg, and I listened to the lyrics of of slightly left-leaning, arty sort of bands. And I thought, you know, I didn't become a militant socialist, but I sort of became, in my mind, definitely only in my mind, in practice, I was just a kind of corporate hippie, I suppose. But but I became a bit of a hippie in my mind and just thought, this is, this is life at its best. You know, apart from walking at Heartland, Ed, which we've done together, and seeing all those fossils and those rocks and and that that pure nature, that pure, undiluted, wild nature... The second place in this world that I feel happiest is when I'm in a crowd of people. They could be a crowd of 10 people or it could be a crowd of 10,000 people or maybe even a crowd of 100,000 people on the pyramid stage just all enjoying bloody brilliant show, well-played show by great musicians and you're just in that moment and and I think it's one of the most life-affirming things and I properly fell in love with music. I started going to a lot of gigs after Glastonbury um, and and I sort of became more interested in sort of punk and sort of indie and and then discovered jazz and African you know kind of Afrobeat music on the on the other stages and and just you know really eclectic and um, and I just it's one of the best things that I've ever done and and I, I 
it's one of the worst things about being a teacher that I can't go to Glastonbury. But thankfully, now there are lots of other festivals and it's probably easier to go to a WOMAD in late. <laughs> I'm being attacked. I'm doing a radio show and at school and I'm being shot at by these ridiculous weapons <laughs> and I'm being attacked as I'm broadcasting. Who's shooting um, at you? Should I call the police? No, um, the, 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 um, my, my boss, um, who's yeah. the boarding house mistress and the junior master who helps out. We've got a few boarders in tonight and they mm. know I'm, I'm broadcasting from the meeting room and they came in to attack me. What they called those little plastic guns? What they with the, with the, the Nerf, guns. Nerf guns? Nerf guns. With the little just darts. Attacked me. I've just been... Not in, BB in, guns. Totally inappropriate that I'm talking about hippydom and the counterculture and my being a fantasy yeah. early 70s. I have to say, this is what I expect from boarding school. I've watched If. I know, uh, I know what it's about. <laughs> um, but that was well-timed because I was going off on one. I think it's time for me to stop talking, Ed. Um, so um, <laughs> anyway, that's my, that's my journey into it. And, but I think yeah. one final thing is that, you know, I don't need to go to Glastonbury anymore. I am now that I'm next summer when I'm more um, solvent financially and uh, I'm going to go to as many festivals as I can. I will go to uh, WOMAD next year, which I love. Um, and I will go to Black Deer again locally, the Americana one. I'll probably try and sneak in a late summer, end of the road. Um, I'm going to try and do as many festivals as I can next year. I'm going to be a, a nomad and just enjoy it all. because. And it's more about discovering stuff, just good music played by good musicians. It doesn't matter whether you've heard of them or not. Um, I love that. And there you go. That's it. That's my that's my ode to Glastonbury. There you go. Yeah. Your turn, there Ed. You go. I've never been to Glastonbury, me. I never, I haven't been. No. I've no idea. I've been to lots of festivals of one sort and another over the years. I've been to beer festivals. We didn't mention them. Oh, I've beer to... festivals. I've never been to a literary festival. I'd like to go to one of those now. Hey, I've been to literary yeah. festivals. They're just they're just a lot of author talks, aren't they? They're not really a festival. They're normally in some town, and you have to go to a cafe in between. I've been to Edinburgh Book Festival a couple of times, and I like it happens at the same time as the Fringe, so and it's there in the same calendar. So you're like, well, I'll go mm. and see this comedian, and then I'll go along and see, I don't know, someone talk about their new book. Well, it's not the same as camping in some terrible field with lots and lots and lots of people doing laughing gas and <laughs> laughing like hyenas all night next to your tent, so you don't sleep, and then getting up at some unholy hour. I get up at unholy hours at festivals. It wakes The sun yes. wakes me up and I'm like, oh. I get up and make a cup of tea on my tranja. You like, are, you're sweating it's... like a bugger. You said you were sweating earlier on. You get woken up by the yeah. sun, don't you? And oh, you, man. You, yeah. Six my mate Dave, who I went to festivals with for, I don't know, a decade of my life was spent, you know, and Dave, Dave could sleep. I never understood it. No. I'd be like, Dave, mate, Dave, Dave, do you want a cup of tea? And he'd be like, ah, and I'd like, I'm, well, I don't know, I'm not going to go anywhere. The festival isn't going to start take more until... Than you? Did Dave take more festival medicine than you? That may be it. I, I think we took very similar amounts of festival medicine, but I think he, the fact that he's got a decade on me may have made some of the difference. Yeah. But I just, you know, I'd just be like, well, I'm, I'm awake now, I'm making tea, and you look at the watch, and well, Dave's not going to wake up for two hours. And um, <laughs> I'll just sit here and read my book and drink tea. Surrounded but I by think I think people who are, who are taking laughing gas until six in the morning are now going to sleep until eight this evening. It's anyway. bonkers. The, the the late night hedonism thing is bonkers, really. But I think I think there's something if you get the balance of sleep deprivation and <laughs> mild 
intoxication right yeah. that is perhaps the best drug in the land yes you there are periods of the day we think oh, i just want to sleep now but then you suddenly get that sort of balancing okay, sort of mild then, insanity what yeah. you do then is you go to the chai tent because yeah. a well-timed chai i don't drink yeah. it anywhere else i wouldn't think of drinking it anywhere else but when i'm at a festival and i've hit that that boost i need I think I'm going to, I really was really looking forward to seeing DJ Chantel's Disco Partizani, but I'm just not feeling it now. That's when you need a chai. It's mostly Absolutely. caffeine and sugar and it G's you up again. Once you've seen DJ Chantel's Disco Partizani, then it's time to go on the lash, you know, so then it all goes round again. It's, it's the well-timed chai that makes the difference. That and if your friend snuck in a hip flask or two. Yeah. Because don't yeah, tell yeah. me about the price of festival pints. That's another podcast. Oh, also. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, there have been festivals which best and worst moments we advertise us talking about. And I, when mm. I saw when Neil Young played Down the Road from me at Hot Farm Festival in Kent in 2008, and I thought, God, how's that happened? That Neil Young is playing six miles from my house. It's insane. And so obviously I had to go. And, um, uh, it rained all day. It claimed it was dry by the time Neil came on stage. It was dry, I think. Mm-hmm. It was a good lineup, actually. It was under Primal Scream, Supergrass, Laura Marling, Rufus Wainwright played underneath Neil, not literally. Um, and um, yeah, anyway, I just, and of course, at a Neil Young sort of fest- headlined festival, um, one day festival, really, um, there were a lot of beardy people wanting to drink real ale. And um, and so I couldn't get near the bloody real ale tent, could not get near it. So I thought, frick it, I've got to drink lager all day. And I hadn't drunk lager all day since I was about 23. And so this is 2008, I'm, I don't know what, 36. And um, uh, I just got quite loud and quite leery and I had a great time, but I must have been an obnoxious twat by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and By uh, the end of the day, he says. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah. yeah, carry on. So, so yeah, I think I think that was quite bad behaviour. Um, and oh, I you need more free reign to talk about your festival journey, Ed. But I've got one more story to tell about on, my first right. festival. Half past, we should have have a break for about ten minutes of news. Of yeah, well, it's not going to take us twenty minutes to talk about Pilton primary school's curriculum anyway um uh but we um my first glastonbury as i say i was all about the kind of bants and around the, the i did enjoy watching blur that was an important moment i didn't enjoy with hindsight watching the spin doctors instead of the beastie boys what an error of judgment that was, oh, that I, was I would not make that judgment now but um Very i did make that it was disappointing um and anyway um orbital they didn't have a dance tent in 1994. The dance tent came in 1995, and it's obviously massive. That part of the festival's massively expanded mm. now. Um, uh, but the Glastonbury resisted the kind of rave generation for, 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 for quite as long as it could. Um, and then um, the Orbital played on the NME stage, the second stage, were headlining on a Saturday night, and this was this was on in 94. And, and there were a lot of people. That was, that was a big, big night for, for dance culture. And, and there was this kid who walked past our campsite, whereas I was, you know, fairly comatosed and, and so were many others around there. And and I and he had those stupid glasses, you know, those orbital glasses which has got the little lights shining on the side, yeah. you know, the raver's glasses. Okay. 
Um, and I just, I didn't like them. Um, and, um, and I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to go and see my favourite band, to go and see Orbital. It was just, you know, walking across our campfire and with all its empty beer bottles and cans and stuff strewn around it. And uh, I said, no, you don't want to do that. You want to sit down and talk shit with us. And so he said, oh, I'll just stop for a bit. And I offered him a beer, gave him a beer, can of beer. And, um, and he didn't go and watch Orbital. It was the thing he was most looking forward to mm. for the whole weekend. And he just sat and listened to me talking shite for, sorry, swearing, sorry, sorry, beep, um, for, 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 you know, an hour and a half or something. And, you know, that's bonkers that that, and, and, and the early Glastonbury's I went to, there were loads of people just sort of, comatose passed out everyone people dancing to honda generators they're not a band they're an actual thing they are thing they should be a band though the honda generators i think um it's a great name it's a great name and just just it was just funny times and i i just romanticized those those i mean i, I don't I think know. i've ever managed to purposefully watch a headline act at any of the festivals i've been to i, I always think it's more about having a chat in the beer tent yeah you know, oh, the I chats I, mean, I had I last weekend was so good. You know, just waiting for Wilco to come on, and then after Wilco, you just you proper music fans, people just happy. You know, and then watching the London African Gospel mm -hmm. Choir play Paul Simon's Graceland on Saturday that was just a real beautiful surprise. You know, it was just a lovely, lovely thing, and um, yeah, just chatting. To, I agree, I agree with you. But but when you're mm -hmm. 21 and you've paid you know, half your year's salary on your festival <laughs> ticket. Um, you've got to go and see the bands you've yeah, paid no, for. Yeah, no, mate, wangle you? your tickets. Wangle your tickets. That's, I don't know when I last paid for a ticket. I always end up running a workshop and getting a freebie. That's what I do. I either run my uh, my samba workshop or I do my junk instruments workshop or I'll do something else. No, they they give me tickets. But we're not talking big ticket festivals. Hey, that's a story. I know we better do news, but maybe I'll tell you uh, tell you a story when we come back from the news. I've got a, okay. Ed's I realised I do have a Glastonbury story to tell. So. Right, Ed's going to anyway. tell a good story, and I'm not going to interrupt him after the news. But the news, bad news, guys. The news is long tonight. It is a nine minuter tonight with oh, adverts and tech updates. So um, we might overrun with our music at the end, but stick with us because Ed's two tunes that he's playing at the end are really great. And we've got Ed's story and a little bit of my survey results and a little bit about Pilton Primary School. Okay, um, here's the news and adverts and tech update. Stick with us. Bye-bye. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development 
every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 £60 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has called for all pupils in primary schools to receive free school meals. He wants an urgent expansion of the scheme to include all students in years 3, 4 and 5, regardless of household income. He said, free school meals were something my family relied upon and every child in London deserves that safety net. With the summer holidays on the horizon, it is essential that the government act now to reinstate the meal voucher system to give families dignity and nutritional choice over the summer. This should then be followed by the introduction of universal free school meals for all primary school children from the start of the new school year in September. Multiple London councils are already leading the way on this and showing what can be done if we put the health and well-being of our young people first in such perilous economic times. It is time for the government to step up. Official figures show that inflation reached 9% in April as the cost of food, energy and transport surges and is expected to reach 11% later this year. Polling by YouGov found that 83% of adults in London say their household cost of living has increased over the last six months.
The NASUWT Teachers Union is calling for a 12% pay increase for teachers this year and has said it will ballot members in England, Wales and Scotland for industrial action if its demands are not met. Dr Patrick Roach, NASUWT General Secretary, said Teachers are suffering, not only from the cost of living crisis, which the whole country is grappling with, but 12 years of real terms pay cuts, which has left a 20% shortfall in the value of their salaries. If the government and the pay review body reject a positive programme of restorative pay awards for teachers, then we will be asking our members whether they are prepared to take national industrial action in response. The government wrongly assumed teachers would simply stand by as they erode pay and strip our education system to the bone. But this weekend, thousands of teachers from every corner of the UK joined together to demonstrate our strength, unity and determination to stand up and to fight back. Our message is clear and has now been delivered directly to the government on their doorstep. We will not allow cuts to our members' pay and attacks on their pensions. If a pay rise is not awarded, it will be won by our members in workplaces through industrial action. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, in this week's Two Minute Tech, we're going to look at how smart is a smart pen. Smart pens and notebooks are a bit of tech that make your handwritten notes become more useful and more importantly, digitally accessible. There are three main technologies used, app-based, image capture-based and real-time capture. Today is a look at the thinking process you can apply when looking at a new gadget. Obviously, the first decision I always make is not going to be considered. That being, is it a gadget? Yes, then I need it. Throughout this, the trusty spreadsheet will assist to calculate cost. Going as cheap as possible, I found a diary and 10 pens delivered for 5 99 So that is my baseline. If I wanted an academic planner, the baseline would obviously increase. So, what's the next cheapest but digital option? I found a reusable wipe clean diary. This is a few different formats, but a decent one I saw was a calendar template on one side and a line template on the other. Both were wipe clean. You downloaded an app on your phone to take a picture. The app recognized the diary entries and the handwriting and then converted it to digital. There's a lot of different makes on the market, so do compare and read reviews. A guide price would be around £40 and a quick calculation in my spreadsheet says it would take six years to match the cost of a cheap diary. My question there is will it last that long? Also at this point it is worth noting that there are free apps out there that let you do the same with your ordinary diary so really the cheapest way to go digital is to use a free app and take a picture of what you already have. If you still want a new gadget your decision may depend on if you feel a big lump of plastic is more environmentally friendly or you prefer the features of the capture app that's being used over a free one. The final technology is real-time note-taking. Now, when I saw this, I instantly needed one. Then I remembered I type everything or use voice capture for meetings, so I'd never use it. However, that is not a reason not to want one. This more expensive tech uses a special pen and notebook 
and communicates in real time with an app so you can see what you're writing on screen as well as in the book. Also, like the others, it will recognize handwriting and convert to digital characters to allow pasting into other applications. At £110 for a notepad, the pen and the app, it isn't cheap, taking 18 years to break even and with the cheapest replacement notebook costing £16 as well, this will actually never break even. In conclusion, I recommend you stick to your diary and find an app you like to capture it. Or, if you have a laptop with touchscreen, you probably can do all of this anyway. For me, smart pens are not that smart when it comes to price. You do get what you pay for, though. Do you have a smart pen? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Ed's story about Glastonbury. Toby's not going to speak for at least three minutes. <laughs> You're building up that story into something it's not. But uh, do you, so there, there are moments in your life when somebody should have paused, right? Somebody should have, or they should have rung back time and just given you a heads up. And you, you'll think of lots, and so we can have like a two minutes on this. But here it is. Um, I was at a gig of one of my all-time favorite artists mr rory mcleod uh and I, that was it i'd gone all the way to cambridge i think i think i'd gone to cambridge to see him anyway i was in cambridge and um i was at this gig and then it went on later than it was meant to and the curfew for the place i was staying had been and gone and he wasn't going to get back into the uh, hostel that i was meant to be staying in so i had to get uh, Rory to read out a message on stage saying can anybody offer this guy a bed for the night because he can't get into where he's staying and then that meant I met lots of interesting people and then I might have been a little bit drunk so I might have started lying a little bit about <laughs> just a little bit to impress people you've all we've all done that and so by the end of the conversation I was I was a performance poet and I mean I, mean, I, I might like to be a performance poet one day but I didn't really have any any uh, claim to it at the time but yes, I was definitely a performance poet, and that was why I was in, in Cambridge, and I was impressing all sorts of people with this. At which point a lady said to me, oh, I know, she said, I've been asked to curate the performance poetry tent at Glastonbury this year. Would you like to come? I can give you a ticket. Oh. Now, what I'm saying is somebody should have tapped me on the shoulder three minutes earlier. They should have paused time like they would do in a movie, paused yeah. time and said, in three minutes, you're going to be asked if you would like a free ticket to Glastonbury. And your answer is yes. The spoken word tent or whatever. Yeah, the poetry. Yeah, in the you know, in the poetry performance poetry. That's performance cool. poetry is a piece of piss, isn't it? I can do that. All you need to do, they say, all you need to do is just say yes, accept the ticket, and then you've got about four months to come up with a set. How hard can it be? Yeah. Uh, had I had that warning, I would have taken her up on the offer. And, uh, you know, for all I know, we would be, you know, we'd be blissfully uh, together because she was, if I, if I remember correctly, I was quite drunk, but if I remember correctly, she was, she was very, very lovely and very attractive. And However, I was too blood. drunk to do the right thing. And I was like, um, uh, and I let that moment slip away from me. And I mean, that is more than half my life ago, but it's why I still regret it. I still think, why didn't I just say, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Here's my number. Yeah. That's almost that's what's and then run bigger. away and make. I would do, do it now. Absolutely, I'd say, yeah, brilliant, yeah, definitely. And then I'd run away. I'd bloody do it now. I'd have snogged. I'd snogged Joe Chamberlain now as well, but I didn't do oh, that when Joe. I was fifteen, did I? Joe. the one that got away, and and is she many still others. in your life at all, Joe? Does she? No, no. <laughs> I feel. Do you think she terrible. listens? <laughs> 
I think it would be amazing if out of the five people who listen to this, one of them turned out to be Joe Chamberlain. One <laughs> Change their name by Dean Paul to Richard Newbold. Um... <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, ter- I mean, I could do more terrible festival stories. But, um... uh, but you, you're, you, you, you were quirky and interesting and cool from much earlier than I, don't I ever think was. I'm well, I'm still not. But you went to, obviously, you went to smaller festivals, more folky festivals, and and... Yeah, uh, is that right? Lots of WOMAD. Lots of there's a local festival Womad. near where when I did you first go to WOMAD? When did you first go to WOMAD? Been going to for many years, missed this year, which is a shame. Um, yeah, lots when of when did you first go to WOMAD? Ooh, 92, 93, maybe. Yeah, you see, you see, that's that's cool. That's cool because I, I that was back when it was in uh, Reading, you see, it was, yeah, yeah. When a friend uh, of mine who went to I went to Glastonbury with more of a friend of a friend, really, who went mm. to 97, 98, 99 Glastonbury's with us. Um, he was a massive WOMAD fan and he kept trying to say, WOMAD, because I was getting into the whole, the Jazz mm. World stage, which is now called West Holtz at Glastonbury. And um, Jazz World, you know, had a lot of WOMAD-y type bands, you know, a lot yeah. of dub and a lot of Afro beat and a lot of jazzy stuff and, and, and whatever. And... Um, and uh yeah and and then you know but then i got married instead and had kids to, to a person who wasn't a big music fan so didn't fit but then i went to where my first where was ooh, 2011 with ollie when he son my son ollie when he was eight and my godson when he was 11 and then took Gemma and ollie the following year so i think i've done, done five womads but i'm really really very keen i will I'm doing it next year i want to go to womad next year i want to do it want... songs children mate honestly there's yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to do it with children next year. But, you know, but if 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 my children, if if the elder two children want to come and have mates of theirs and go and drink cider and watch the mm. one rap act in the red tent, that's fine. Um, but no, no, I want to do it with 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 people like you and um, try and persuade Rockin' Ross because Rockin' Ross has never done Womad. He's always turned his nose up a bit. He says, "Oh, there's no bands that I like play at Womad." I said, "But the best music in the world the is Womad." It's the least important aspect. It's the least because. Like there will be there will be like stuff that will be brilliant You'll... and he loved the graceland um you know uh london african gospel choir and that's that's very womad um yeah you're gonna exactly. find a womad because because world music is a totally totally oh, it's a made horrible up. term it's, it's a meaningless not a genre term, you know you're listening to mostly you're listening to pop music from around the world you know do you think like this the big phenomenon of k-pop now right and everybody knows these very huge k-pop bands if they had been touring the uk you know uh you know 10 years ago before um before what's his face gangnam style they would have gone to womad you know they yeah. would have been oh look at this quirky oh look korean pop music how oh, interesting yes. and the beardy weirdies and the drama teachers and the uh you know and the, and the therapists would have all gone along and say, oh look at us how authentic we are dancing to this k-pop <laughs> is not a thing you know i think like some of the african artists who are mega pop stars, right? In their country, they are cool, yeah. mega pop stars. They're the equivalent to the, to the Billie Eilishes, you know? Yeah. And they come along and they see these, you know, middle-aged, balding, paunchy head teachers, you know, <laughs> lolloping from one foot to the other whilst clutching their warm plastic pints. And they just think, what the hell is this? You know, what yeah. are these people thinking? You know, 
And then, you know, but then you go to another stage, you see Kanono number one, and then you go to another stage and there'll be some Fardo, and you go to another yeah. stage and there'll be some oh, weird yeah. electronica, you know. Love it's it. not one thing. It's not like you go to a, no. a rock and festival, it, and it's all going to be rock. And, and yeah. there's something wonderful about, you know, there will probably be, before you go to WOMAD, if you're mm. a little bit of a musicologist, there will be two or three or four or maybe five acts that you've heard of and, and mm. listened to and seen perhaps before, but there'll be most of the stuff you see you won't have heard of the um, thing that you went or listen to you just you discover no stuff exactly you just discover stuff and and you've not got the pressure of of lineup junkiness you know you've not got the pressure of christ i've paid 280 quid for a ticket i'm gonna have to go and watch mccartney i'm gonna have to go and watch eilish i'm gonna have to go and watch the chemical brothers and um, because i've got to get my money's worth and i've got to go and see the bands that i you know, and, 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 you know, that's the problem, isn't it, with, with the huge cost yeah. of these things now. Um, and see, the advantage of getting freebie tickets because you offer some some workshop is you've got no pressure like that. You know, no. if I had paid 350 quid or however much it costs now, I would think, yeah, I better get my money's worth. I better see Reddy McCartney. Whereas if yeah. I've wandered in and, you know, I've agreed to do a couple of two-hour workshops in the mornings for the kids, but the rest of the time is my own, I'm like... Yeah. Do I want to see McCartney? Do you know what? I'm no. not really sure I do. No, I just hang out on the acoustic stage and watch watch whoever's playing there. Watch some old yeah. folkies and some country music and stuff. Yeah, nice. Maybe that means you miss the brilliant thing. You know, maybe maybe I think McCartney I think knock it out I, of the park tonight and then die next Tuesday and it'll be the defining it, moment. But it's different, really isn't it? So. It's different that whole defining moment, that Glastonbury moment that has to be a Glastonbury moment, doesn't there now? And I, I think that's different and I think that's Hey, I bet that's, Instagram that's media hype, it. isn't it? Instagram's changed it. Of course in, it has. In halter tops, taking them pictures in front of that thing with the rusty car. Absolutely. You know? And I think Instagram's changed it and, and social media's changed it and, and, and just the huge media presence and, and has changed it massively. And and that's not but still a wonderful thing, I think. But it's just it's just mm-hmm. a very different thing. And I think that also you you know, Glass I, I did watch, I remember I watched I loved watching some of the 2019 coverage on TV. I watched, I watched Stormzy's set and I thought, you know, this is not for me. It's not my music. It's not my thing. I've not got, you know, I, I, my world is very different to Stormzy's world. But I watched his show and I thought, you know, that's a bloody amazing show, a really amazing show. And I could just appreciate it on TV. And then, yeah. then I saw a little bit of The Killers on Saturday night and thought, God, that's disappointing. They've really got one yeah. song. What's that all about? They should be playing in a bar, not in a massive stage in a field. Um, and then then um, The Cure on Saturday, on the Sunday night, they just played their stuff and did their thing and there was no pandering and there was no, mm. there was no real show. There were a few lights and, and they just played that and, and that was also wonderful because they've got so many songs um that you forget you know the cure are they're bloody amazing they've got so many songs haven't they right ed um we have not got time to talk about our fantasy curriculum at prime oh, primary really but but i think i think just just the romantic in me just thinks you know um i think that it would be nice, wouldn't it, to to use? We we had this conversation at the beginning. Oh, I know what we've got to do. We've got to do my survey. I did do a survey at the weekend. So so for those of you who've just tuned in or listening back, um, we were going to sort of talk about a Glastonbury themed or music festival themed curriculum or scheme of work at Pilton Primary, the village primary near Glastonbury. And I know the primary school have obviously strong links to the festival, the whole village does, and and, and the surrounding area. And so uh, it's a kind of lovely thing. But, but you know, of course, 
most of us in our schools that we teach in speak of Glastonbury, unless we're teaching in a sixth form, um, you know, it's like, oh, what's that? What are you talking about? Um, and certainly in primary schools, um, they haven't really heard of it because it's not it's not a cultural thing for 10 year olds, is it? It's, 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 it's a bit older, but I'm just going to find my survey. I did a survey at the weekend and I'll tell you what I've noticed is that obviously I'm trying on Twitter at the moment. To, I do a few educational tweets, but I'm, a lot of my tweets are not about education. And I'm a little frustrated that my um, timeline is, you know, or my most of my followers are educators. And that's lovely. You're all lovely. Thank you. Um, but um, sometimes it's just nice to break free. And what was interesting for me, is it makes sense. Hang on. Bookmarks. Come on, Toby. Get with the program. No. Go back. Start again. Bookmarks. There it is. Is I did this survey. Uh, and I suppose this is fairly expected results. Where is the survey results? Here it is. Survey for Glastonbury Special. If you are a teacher or work in education, have you ever been to Glastonbury Festival? Yes, five or more times. Yes, one to four times. No, but yes to other festivals. And then the last bit, never been to a festival. 112 votes. So a reasonable survey, a reasonable survey. Um, 41% of people have never been to a festival of those 112. Um, 33% have been to a festival, but not to Glastonbury. 25% have been to Glastonbury between one and four times. And only 1% of teachers who answered this survey have been five or more times. I'm one of them, but I didn't start teaching until I was 41. It's quite hard to go to Glastonbury five or more times if you start teaching when you're 22, because you're teaching when Glastonbury's on. So um, there we go. I, was, I thought it was quite interesting um, that, you know, almost 50, almost half of people not into the whole live music festival thing, scared of the dirt, scared of the mess, don't want to camp in a tent and all that sort of stuff. Get it, get it, totally get that. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, but an awful lot of people have been to Glastonbury, 25%, and an awful lot of people have not been to Glastonbury but have been to other festivals. So there we go. Um, do some music, shall we, Ed, to end the show? Anyone? Um, have we have we covered, have we done this topic justice? I can't hear you, Ed. No. Shall I unmute? Shall I? Oh, oh that's why you're unmuting because I was whispering. Oh, yeah, I was unmuted. No, I'd, I'd muted just for a little, just a little bit, just to check that I knew the chords. Oh, come on. Uh, I, I think it's it's three minutes and we're going to finish on time. So do you want the pulp or do you want the Billy Bragg? I think we want, I want both. I want to overrun because okay. I think, I think I was at Glastonbury <laughs> 1994 when Ben, my friend Ben, said mm. there's this band, this is a great band called Pulp. They were playing at about five o'clock on the NME stage, which is now the other stage, come and see them. And so that was way before Common People. They didn't play Common People in 1994. They played Babies and stuff like that. And then a year later, I saw them headline the Pyramid stage when they filled in for the Stone Ranges because they were, broke their arm or something like that. And someone <laughs> did John Squire. And so the pulp filled in and they absolutely nailed it. And they played Common People, which was out as a single at the time. And that was a very special festival moment and seen them play it, it a was. few times since. So I let's mean, do common people. stage performance cemented them, didn't it? Obviously, it did. you've got to be successful to get there. But a whole lot of people who hadn't heard of them heard of them on that day. Absolutely. I guess the fact that uh, 
Jarvis can afford to be a rich dilettante today is probably because of that performance, isn't it? Absolutely, I think. I think they've been lot... already going. They'd already been going for like 15, 16 they, they years. They formed in nineteen eighty-three or something, didn't they? they yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you, uh, if you, I mean, we're, we're using up our time here, but uh, there's a beautiful conversation between him and Adam Buxton on the Adam Buxton podcast, a couple of weeks old now, and it's really worth listening to. He's an interesting chap. Is our Jarvis? I like Jarvis. Yeah, he's a good man. She came from Greece, she had a thirst for knowledge. She studied culture at St. Martin's College, that's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds time, she said, I wanna live like common people. I wanna do whatever common people do. I wanna sleep with common people. I wanna sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. So I took her to a supermarket. I don't know why, but I had to start somewhere. So it started there. I said, pretend that you got no money. She just laughed and said, oh, you're so funny. I said, yeah. Well, I can't see anyone else smiling in here. Are you sure you want to live like common people? You want to see whatever common people see? You want to sleep with common people? You want to sleep with common people like me? But she didn't understand. She just smiled and held my hand. Rent a flat above the shop and cut your hair and get a job and smoke some fags and play some pool. Pretend you never went to school, but still you'll never get it right because we're late in bed at night. You're watching roaches climb the wall. If you called your dad, he could stop it all. You'll never live like common people. You'll never do whatever common people do. You'll never fail like common people. You'll never watch your life slide out of you. And drink and dance and scream. Because there's nothing else to do. I actually got my um, you do the good nah, nah, I've got my um, nose flute. I found it in the box in the shed. Is this the solo? That's the uh, that's my nose flute. Sing along with the common people. Sing along, and it might just get you. Laugh along with the common people. Laugh along like they're laughing at you. And the stupid things you do Because you think the poor is cool I'm going to stop there because that one's enough of that one But that's a good that song, isn't it? That is brilliant And it's only got three chords Three chords It's Magic. a great, great and tune And it's got, it's got a nose flute solo <laughs> Not a lot of songs have a built-in nose flute solo, do they? You know? Um, you want them? Now, you want I'm not sure I mean, that's more of a set closer, isn't it? But I yeah. do think it's timely I saw Billy Bragg, I think for the first time 
at Glastonbury 1998. It was a muddy one. And my favourite on-stage line, and he played in his wellies. It was a really muddy one about, you know, early afternoon on the pyramid stage, just him and his guitar. And um, and he said, uh, he said, the best thing about this weather is it keeps all the poses away. And um, I thought that was very good, all the, all the sort of poses with their designer wellies. He said, there's no more designer wellies and everyone's gone home, you're just posing. And um, it was good. But Bragg, yeah. I mean, Bragg. a great hero and it's topical because, you know, there's a bit of industrial action going on at the moment, bit of red wedge, bit of, bit of you know, it's very topical. So I think let's have a bit of Billy Bragg and let's all sing along to New England, shall we, Ed? Yeah, come on, come on! I just to uh, turn the uh, thing up a little bit. There we go. Yeah, here we go. Uh, <laughs> a song I've never played. Mm. I was 21 years when I wrote this song. I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. People ask me, man, when will you grow up to be a man? But all the girls I loved at school are already pushing friends. I loved you then as I love you still Though I put you on a pedestal, I put you on a pill I don't feel bad about letting you go I just feel bad about letting you know I don't want to change the world I'm not looking for a New England Looking for another girl I don't want to change the world I'm not looking Look for a new England, new England. Just looking for Look another girl. girl I love the words you wrote to me But that was bloody, bloody yesterday. yesterday I can't survive on what you said Every time you need a friend I saw two shooting stars last night I wished on them but they were only satellites ground to wish on space I wish, I wish, I wish you cared I don't want to change the world I'm not looking for a new Just looking for another girl I don't want to change the world I'm not looking for a new Just looking for another girl just looking for another girl. Just looking for another girl. Looking for another girl. Well, that's a good song again, isn't it? That's a great song. Favorite bit. Favorite bit is the shooting stars. I wished on them, but they were only satellites. It's wrong to wish on space hardware. It's such a good line. I wish. I wish you'd care. Oh. It's a brilliant line, isn't it? It's a really it's fantastic line. And um, saw, uh, obviously, in Wilco's set, they closed towards the end with their California Stars, which was from the first Mermaid Avenue album that they yeah. did with Billy Bragg of Woody Guthrie songs. All lovely stuff. <laughs> lovely I was stuff. in some Twitter thread a couple of years ago, and I, some, I think somebody mentioned Bragg, and I said, oh, I love that thing he did with Wilco. It was a shame he didn't do more of it. I said, there's another three albums of it. He came online and said that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> don't mention people. They yeah. might set their names. So really, three more albums. I must no, no, I've, only, I've only got the first one, actually. They have done more. Yeah, yeah, the first one's the one you need, isn't it? They put the best stuff on the first one. They yeah. recorded like hours and hours and hours of it. They, put, you know, it, yeah. it, anyway, never mind. 
we probably they probably don't overstayed our welcome. I should. We think. have, we have. Thank you, that, thank you, Ed, for indulging my Glastonbury obsession. Thank you, listeners. Um, oh, it's nearly the well, it's not nearly the summer holiday, I know, but it's getting there. Um, so I think we'll we'll oh, no, we'll, we'll talk a little again. bit about teaching, but I think let's try and some find some themes that are, you know. You want to make teach. us really jealous? Go on, make us really hate you. When do you break up? <laughs> I break up on Friday the 8th of July. That's two weeks this Friday, people. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, um, there we go. Sorry Amen. about that. Yeah. Okay, right, well, take care. Anyway, for those of us who will still be working, we're going to carry on for at least the next four weeks. Um, keep going, everyone. Uh, keep going. Keep going. The sun's shining mostly and um, at the moment. So take care of yourselves, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, and we will speak to you next week about something entirely related to teaching or not, as the case may be. Um, All right. Well, right, good, night, everybody. Everybody. good night, everyone. Good night, Ed. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Night night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.